First Samuel chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. The child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. This morning we want to think about the lamb among the wolves. The child Samuel we have seen has been laid at the tabernacle by his mother. He has been surrendered up to God's servants. And it's a case now of the light, not coming into the light, but it's a case of the light coming into the darkness. The tabernacle is not an easy place for a young lad. There are other young lads in the tabernacle, and they have been corrupted by Hophni and Phinehas. So Samuel is coming into a difficult place. The sons of Eli, we are told there in verse 12, were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Now you would think that priests would know the Lord. But here are priests. They have all the dress. They have the position in the tabernacle. But they are sons of Belial and they don't know the Lord. So whenever Samuel comes here to serve God, he's not coming into Eden. He's not coming into a paradise. He's coming amongst apostates. He's coming amongst the terrors that the devil hath planted. Satan has come in even into the tabernacle on a worms. He has come in like a flood. But now the Spirit of the Lord is beginning to lift up a standard, and that is this little lamb, Samuel. And he is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God among the wolves. Just a child here. And what we have in this passage, verse 11 through to 26, which is our text, we have a contrast continually taking place between Hannah's son, this little lamb, and Eli's sons. The child is a child who ministers before God, but these priests, these other sons, these are ministers of Satan, these are sons of Belial. Belial is a name for the devil. And so they are the sons of Eli, according to the flesh. But spiritually speaking, they are the seed of the serpent. They belong to the devil. They're the seed of Belial. And they do the lusts of their father, as we shall see. And the works of their father, they do. Not the works of Eli, but the works of the devil. And this young believer, he's just a little child, and says that several times, the child. He's just a child. He's just a lamb. And here is where he is placed. And you know, all God's people are just little children. At least that's what the Lord reckons about them. 
They are humble. They're just simple in faith. They're harmless as doves. And therefore, little children. He says, except you be converted and become as little children. So a Christian is a little children. And he doesn't really grow up in other, other ways to become anything different. He should always be humble and harmless. Little children, just depending on the Lord. And whenever the apostles, and they weren't you know, physically little children, they were adults, and yet he says to them, little children, yet am I with you just a little while. And so it is a term that can describe all Christians. And here's a little child, pictures a Christian, and where is he? He's among the seed of the devil. He's in the dark world, and that's not easy. It's not easy for the child of God to be in this world, just as it's not easy for Samuel to be in the tabernacle. But Samuel still prospered. Samuel still was strong in God. Samuel's faith survived. Do you remember how the mother sung, He preserveth the feet of his saints. Even our little boy, as his feet paddles about the tabernacle, the Lord will preserve the feet of his saints. So the Lord keeps him. The Lord preserves him. And he pictures God's remnant, which is always a little remnant, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of wolves. And he preserves the remnant. He preserves the true church, even though it's small, and Samuel pictures that. And of course, he preserves his Christ. Whenever he came among men, the little lamb of God, and there was Herod, there were all the wolves of the chief priests, and the priests, and the scribes, and the Sadducees, and the Pharisees, all of these devourers, all of these wolves, seeking his destruction. And yet he was preserved. And Samuel is like that. He's in the den of lions, going into the tabernacle, and he can say, even as our Lord said, my soul is among lions, even among men that are set on fire. A dangerous place is the world for a Christian. And this is a dangerous place for Samuel amongst the wolves. We read there in Ezekiel 22, we read about the priests, we read about the princes, we read about the prophets. They were all the same in the land. They were ravening beasts. They were wolves ravening the prey. Ezekiel said, to destroy souls. And Hophni and Phinehas are like that. Remember how the Savior said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. It's the same story. It's always the same. Here it is. In the tabernacle. And here it is for you too child of God. In your walk through the world. Sheep in the midst of the wolves. You'd be wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. Remember how the Lord said. Beware of false prophets. And these are the most dangerous wolves of all. The false prophets. Who come to us in sheep's clothing. But within they are ravening wolves. And that's Hophni and Phinehas. They have the priestly regalia. They have the clothes. They have the sheep's clothing. But within, they are ravening wolves and they're devouring the flock of God as it comes to the door of the tabernacle. 
That's where Samuel is then. Now, as I said, this passage has a contrast throughout between Samuel and the sons of Eli. And what we have here is five camera shots uh, going between one to the other, first Samuel, then to Eli's sons, then, then back to Samuel, then back to Eli's sons again, and then finishing off with, with Samuel. Those five videos. And it's like going from light to darkness, back to the light again, back to the darkness again, and then finishing on the light. These, these five video shots that are set forth in this long text. Camera one then is verse 11, where we look at Samuel. Samuel is the child ministering unto the Lord before the priest. It shows us a little lamb. He's just small. He's just tiny. Perhaps brought here at maybe three, four years of age. Starting out in the service of God very, very, very young. He's probably doing just simple menial tasks. You know, fetching for Eli. As he gets a wee bit bigger, he begins to open the doors of God's house. Things like that. Little menial tasks. Getting food, perhaps. Uh, doing requests for Eli that he wants done for him. As he's busy in the work of God. It's that kind of service that he's doing, but he's doing it for the Lord, not just for Eli. Eli's watching him. He's always in Eli's presence. He's before the man of God, so the man of God is watching him and guarding him and keeping him. Uh, and this little boy is doing it as unto the Lord. That's Samuel. He's early seeking God. And boys and girls, it's good to early seek God. It's good to early serve God. That's why you earlier sent to Sabbath school. And that's why you early learn the catechism. And that's why you early learn the word of God. You're doing that before the teacher and before the minister. But you do it as unto the Lord. You're doing it for God. You want to seek God early. You want to do what's right early. You want to learn his word early. You want to learn the things of God early. And that's what Samuel's like. So you be like this, this little boy. Be sincere in God's presence and before God. And help the servants of God. And do what the servants of God ask you to do. And what your parents ask you to do. To go to God's house and to go to church. And do it all gladly. And do it all as unto the Lord. So that's the kind of picture we have in this first camera. A little boy who's just doing that. Just obeying the servant of God. Just doing the wee duties as he seeks God and as he ministers to the Lord in his house. But then we go from the light where this little boy is doing this to the darkness in the camera 2. And verse 12 down to verse 17 is the second camera. Now this is where Samuel would have ended up if it wasn't for God's grace. He's kept from this. This is what Samuel has to combat with in the tabernacle in this dark video clip that runs from verse 12 to verse 17. The sons of Eli are corrupt. They're ungodly. They don't know God. They don't fear God. They haven't experienced the grace of God. And whenever it says they don't know God, that means that they don't want to know Him. They don't care to know Him. He's not in their thoughts. They haven't a thought for him and they don't care about him and they, they don't know him and they're not interested in the things of God. They're only interested in themselves. They're only interested in the material. 
they're only interested in the now and the present, and they're not caring about ministering before God. And because of what they're doing, they're laying aside the service of God, the commandment of God, and they're making it null and void by their customs, by their tradition. And it's a worldly tradition and an ungodly tradition and a tradition against the things of God. Because it says there in verse 13, and the priest's custom, this has nothing to do with the Bible, it was their tradition, it was their custom, that whenever the people brought their sacrifice, the priest's lad came, see that word servant? That's the same word as the word child. Samuel's a child ministering unto the Lord. But they had their child too. They had their wee lad, their wee servants, their wee lad boys who went and run and done their business. But they were doing bad things. They were doing the corrupt things. Samuel was being kept from that. But these little lads, they weren't. They were being corrupted. Samuel could have ended up like that. That's what we're saying. He's a little lamb among the wolves. He could have ended up like these other lads, corrupted. So these other lads, they were trained to have these big forks with three, three prongs in them. And they were to go to the pot or the cauldron or whatever vessel there was, the meat was in it, or to be given on to the Lord. And they stuck the fork in and got the biggest lump of meat, the, the ribeye, the steaks or whatever. They got the biggest lump of meat and they, they pulled it out and it was for the priest. And it was before it was cooked, they had to have it raw. So all the fat was on it. And they got the fat as well. And it was going to the Aphne and Phineas. And that was sinful, that was wrong. And it sickened the people of God. And the people of God wondered, what's the point of bringing sacrifices? What's the point in coming to the church? What's the point of making offerings unto the Lord? They were offended. And they were losing out with God. And their own souls were being destroyed because of these apostate priests in the tabernacle. You see, the fat's the Lord's. It wasn't to go to the priests. All the fat was the Lord's. But these priests made sure that they got the fat and a large portion of the meat as well. Now, of course, they couldn't eat all this meat. I mean, there's only two men, a few priests. You can only eat so much. So why were they doing this? Every pot, every vessel, every cauldron, all the time. They were selling it. It wasn't about souls. It was about making money. It was about material. They had no fear of God. It was wickedness. They're apostates to the core. Destroying the house of God and the work of God. And this is what Samuel's amongst. And it grieved the Lord. You remember how the Lord said, My father's house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. The Lord Jesus said that was the same here. Hasn't changed. The same here in the tabernacle. You'll notice that there are four vessels that are named. The pan, the kettle, the cauldron, and the pot. And that's most unusual. That the Lord would go through every vessel. Look at all the vessels. It's going from the smallest to the biggest. We're not even sure what all these vessels are. But the sense is, the Holy Spirit is telling us, no matter what the pot no matter what the pan, they're always sticking their hook in it. They're always getting the meat for themselves. It was always about them and never about the Lord. Never about the Lord. And so the Lord is showing us how dark the place is and how wicked apostasy is and turning from God. And this little lad is in the midst of that. And yet he, he marvelously 
survives. And these little lads here, they were trained to become violent. Because whenever the worshippers got sick of this and they were seeing the lad pull the thing out, they were saying, no, boil it first. Let it be burnt first. Let it be roasted first. Let the fat be consumed first. And then you can stick your fork in and, you know, get for the priest. But the lads would say, no, we'll have it raw. And we won't get it raw, we'll use violence. We'll use force. So that's how bad the place is. And these lads were corrupted to do this and trained to do this. But bless God, Samuel, he's before Eli. And Eli's guarding him and keeping him as he serves the Lord. He's before the high priest. The high priest is looking after him, even though he has failed to look after his own sons. He certainly seems to take conscience with this little boy, Samuel. So that's the second video clip then, that the terrible sin that's being committed here and what does it say there? People despise the offering of the Lord at the end of verse 17. Just as we leave the camera clip, it says there, men abhorred the offering of the Lord. That was the effect of all of that darkness. They abhorred the Lord's offering. Those men hid the cross. Those men made the sacrifice to be despised. Those men made the Lord's offering to be put into obscurity and people got sick of it altogether and they had nothing to do with the Lord's offering because of the priest's corruption. And that's what apostasy does. It hides a cross. It conceals a cross. It makes men and women ignorant of the cross and of the offering of Jesus Christ as a once-for-all offering for sin. And it makes men and women turn away from the true cross and from the true work of God in Jesus Christ and from the true way of salvation into the darkness and onto other things. And that was the effect of this corruption of the priests. The despised, the offering. Not just the offerings, but it's in the singular. The offering. The despised, the cross. The once for all offering of our Lord. They despise that. And that's the fruit of apostasy, you see. The wolves undermine the faith of the gospel. The wolves would rob us of our true faith in Jesus Christ. The wolves would deaden our souls. The wolves would turn us away from the truth and from the house of God and from the things of God. The wolves would turn us away uninterested and dead in our souls far from God. That's what the wolves would do. But Samuel, he's kept from that. And not only is he kept from that, but Samuel, he becomes the reviving of the remnant. He becomes the reviving of the people of God as he grows and becomes a prophet of the Lord in the nation. He becomes the reviving of the saints, whereas these apostates are the deadening of the souls of men. The blind leading the blind. And all of them going into the ditch. But there's this man of God. Soon to become a man of God. Samuel. Kept by the grace of God. You know congregation. However dark the times. However dark the days. However great and how many. The apostates in the church. In the land. God always has his Samuels. God always has his true remnant here and there and yonder. He's always providing for his true people. 
And Samuel is an example of that. Samuel doesn't turn out then the way that they do through God's good grace. Let us go back then to the light again. And the camera turns again to view Samuel. And it gives us a little longer glimpse on Samuel here in verse 18. And that runs down to verse 21. Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. And she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice and so on. And we read on until the end of verse 21. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So what is Samuel doing now? A little time has passed, maybe. And we're seeing Samuel again. What's he doing now? He hasn't been corrupted. That's for sure. What does it say there? He ministered before the Lord. He's still ministering. We read that in verse 11. Ministered before the Lord. And now with all the corruption in between. The camera goes back. Maybe years later. What's he still doing? He's still ministering before the Lord. He's still in the place of faithfulness. He's still in the place of service. The dear little lamb. He's been kept and preserved. And he's serving God. Bless the Lord. He's still been a good boy. He hasn't declined from the ways of the Lord. And what is more. He's progressed. Because it said he's girded with a linen ephod. He's like a little priest now. He has a priestly garment on now. This isn't the breastplate of the high priest. That's a very special ephod. This is a ephod that the ordinary priests could use in the service of God. A little overgarment, a little linen overgarment that went over their robe and identified them as priests. And whenever they were doing the business, they, they, would, wear, they would wear this. They would gird themselves up. They would tighten it around their waist. And they're ready for the service. And they go and do their wee bits and pieces. And this little lad, Samuel, he has his own ephod. Even though he's not a, of, of Aaron's descent, he is a Levite. He, he can't do proper priestly work, but he can work in the tabernacle. But it seems that he even did priestly work. He has this little ephod. And we know that later on in life he offered sacrifices because he did do priestly work. He's learning it in the temple. He's girded with the ephod. He has this dress. He's progressed. He's growing in grace. He's growing in the knowledge of the Lord. He's growing in the things of God. And so we see that he is advancing. Not declining. He is getting more godly. Not more corrupt and ungodly. And this ephod, it makes us think of prayer, you see. Because that's one of the most important duties of the priests. And the ephod pictures of prayer. And uh, there's really no prayer without the ephod. And so he's praying to the Lord. He's, He's girding himself with the ephod. And, and that's how we are protected in the world, you know, congregation. But how are we going to survive in the ungodly world? How's our faith going to be maintained? How are we going to maintain our strength? How are we going to maintain our refreshment in the faith of the gospel in such dark times? And the answer is with the ephod, being girded with the ephod, praying. We have to pray. We have to keep saying to the Lord, Have mercy on me. We have to keep praying, Lord, give me the grace and the strength. Help me to maintain my 
righteousness in these dark days. Continue to bless me, Lord, with your word. Continue to feed me with, from the things of God. And so we're, we're girded. We're girded with the ephod. And he's girded. The Lord has girded him. That's why he's not running like these other lads with a big three-pronged fork to do the corrupt deed of the priest. No, he has the ephod. And the Lord has girded him. The Lord has shielded him. Isn't that what it says there? Girded. He's girded with the ephod. And that, that's what we have to be. We have to be girded with the latter loins. Be girded about with the truth and our lights burning. You know, I think that imagery is from the, from the temple and from priestly work. Whenever the Lord says that, let your loins be girded and your lights burning. Because part of the duty of the priest was to keep the lights burning. Put the oil into the lamps. Keep the lights burning. And they, they didn't do that without being girded with their ephod. They put their ephod on. They got the, all the regalia. They were girded up. They were belted up to do the work. And the Lord is saying that we as the people of God, we have to do that. You have to, to gird up your loins. You, you have to gird up your mind. You have to have the right God-fearing attitude. You have to pray. And you have to keep the lights, the lights burning. You need the Spirit of God. You need the Word of God. You need to keep the light in your life, in the reading of the Word, and the hearing of the Word. And so that's what little Samuel is doing. He's girded with the ephod. He's keeping the light burning in the house of God. Gird up your loins, Peter says, of your mind. Be sober and watch unto the end. And we're sure that Samuel is doing that. But as well as the, the godly priest watching over him, we read here that his godly parents come and visited him annually. And Hannah's piety, we've seen that in her prayer already on a Wednesday night, and she is upholding him in prayer. But every year, whenever they have to make their visit to the tabernacle, she brings him a wee coat. It's not all she brings him, she brings him her prayers as well, we're sure. He's always on her heart. He has always been upheld by Hannah. He's always been prayed for by Hannah. And that's another thing that keeps us, isn't it? The prayers of the saints. They keep us. Uh, I'm kept by your prayers and you're kept by our prayers. That's how the Lord works. We uphold one another and pray for one another. And by praying for one another, we shield one another and we guard one another and we protect one another from the darkness and the wickedness of this world. And, and Hannah is praying for him and she gives him a little coat. And that makes us think of the protection that she wants him to have and the covering she wants him to have. It's just a little coat, but it's a symbol of what she wants for his soul. It's a symbol of what she wants for his life. She knows he's among wolves. She wants him to have the coat of protection. She wants him to have the hedge of defense. And she's praying for him and upholding him in prayer. And that's a very important thing, mothers, that you pray for your children. Do you not see, mothers, that your children need prayer? You ought to. And you ought to pray that the Lord will protect them. Yes, you buy them the coat every year. And you buy them their clothes all the time. And you give them the covering for their body. But do you not know that they need a covering for their souls? You have to pray for their souls. And Hannah's a mother in Israel. Giving them the covering of, of prayer. So we learn here that the little lambs need the prayer of the saints. And the prayer of the mothers. And then at the end of the wee picture. We see the child Samuel grew. 
Do you see that? There's a new word coming in here now. He grew. And the Holy Spirit keeps saying this again and again and again. You can study it yourself in this chapter and the next chapter. He grew. He's always growing. Praise the Lord. He's not declining. He's not backsliding. He's not decaying. He's not dying. He's growing. Even in the midst of wolves. The Lord says he's growing. Praise God. And you can grow even in a dark age. You can grow even amongst apostates filling the nation. You can grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And he's growing and he's getting bigger and he's going beyond the milk. Remember we talked about the milk last Lord's Day. This little Samuel, he's growing. He's going beyond the milk now and he's beginning to get the meat. Not the kind of meat that the priests are into. That corrupt meat. Bodily, material meat. No, he's, he has another meat. He's growing, not fat like the priests. No, he's growing in true stature. He's growing in godliness. He's growing in likeness unto the Lord. That's what the Lord is saying here. He's growing the proper way. He's growing the way a little lamb ought to grow. He's growing in grace. He's growing in the knowledge of God. So the Lord has kept him. So that he's growing in grace. And we need the Lord to keep us. So that we grow in grace as well. So quickly the camera back again to the awful darkness. In verse 22. uh, Down through to verse 25. We have this fourth view in the camera. And we see that evil men are waxing worse and worse here. In these verses. We see how they're getting stronger in the corruption they're growing in depravity because you know congregation you're never stationary you're either well growing or you're growing badly you're either getting better or you're getting worse that's the way it always is and these men are waxing worse and worse as the bible says evildoers will wax worse and worse they'll grow greater in sin and that's the way it is with Hophni and Phineas here so just take a look at the video what does it say here? We haven't time to look at it in detail. Eli was very old. The years of passing. He's begun to hear rumours that all his sons did unto all Israel. Do you see how bad these priests have done? Unto all Israel. They've corrupted the whole nation. All of the Israel it says. But not little Samuel. All Israel. And they lay with the women that assembled at the door. That holy door. Do you remember how we see that's important in this book of Samuel? The door. That's where God heard the prayer of Hannah. It was at the doorpost. That's where Eli the high priest sat. It was at the doorpost. And these women, they're coming up to minister unto the Lord. They want to serve the Lord too. But the priests get hold of them. And the priests corrupt them. And defile them. And lie with them. And all of this and that. And it's all wickedness. And Eli, he gives them a wee gentle rebuke. He doesn't do what he should have done. They should have been disciplined and dealt with, but that's apostasy. It never takes place. They just get a wee rebuke, and that's all. I hear of the evil of your doings. I hear that you're doing wicked things, my sons. You're making God's people to transgress. And so he gives them this, this rebuke. And it's not just then the ritual defilement about the meat. It's moral defilement too, isn't it? Wickedness, sinning, uncleanness, immorality. It's like a pagan temple. That's what they did in pagan temples. The women came up and they were there in the temple for this business of defilement. To please the gods. 
and to produce the fruitfulness on the land. There had to be the debauchery and the uncleanness to produce the fruitfulness in the fields. That's what they taught in the pagan temples. And uncleanness was practiced in the pagan temples. And this is beginning to look more like a pagan temple. And the wee lamb is in the middle of all of this. Among the wolves. And the Lord keeps them. Amazing thing, the Lord keeps them. We're notice at the end of this video here, what does it say there? Verse 25. The Lord would slay them. Stay the end. It's got so dark now, the Lord's going to kill them. The Lord's going to deal with them in the only way that they can be dealt with in the doom of judgment. And now that's where the camera ends there. I'm going to go back to the light again for a little brief moment. The child grew on. Do you see that? He's still growing. He's still getting bigger. He's still getting on to the likeness of the stature of the Son of God. Progressing. And it says something more. And was in favor. Both with the Lord. And also with men. Now he's still the child still. Because it says the child, the lad Samuel, grew on. Uh, but he's not a baby anymore. He's a little boy. And this word can be used of a man as young as 20. He's growing up now. And his mother's still praying for him. And his mother's still bringing him a new coat every year. And he's still being covered and girded. And he's still wearing his ephod. And he's progressing on and on in the Lord. And the Lord delights in him. The Lord looks down into this dark place. Out of his holy place. And he sees there's one he can delight in. The little lad, Samuel. And not only is, is it God we're looking out of his most holy place, delighting in the little lad. There are people coming up still who are sick of all the apostasy. And they're looking in and they're saying, there's one who's different. There's one who stands out. There's one who must be ordained to be a great man of God in the nation. There's one to watch. There's one to keep your eyes on. And so Israel are beginning to eye him. Beginning to hope in him. That he might be a saviour and a deliverer. Beginning to hope in him that somehow he might be the seed of the woman. Who will deal with this. All this seed of the servant. And so they're looking on him as, as one who might be the Christ. As one who might be the anointed. Now he's not the Christ as we know that. But he's a picture of the Christ. He's a picture of the one who's to come because Christ was in a similar situation as Samuel and he grew up to be the offering of the Lord himself in his death and in his sacrifice. Luke, whenever he deals with the childhood of the Lord Jesus, he's pulling out of this portion of scripture the important words to apply them to Christ. So we're not imagining these things when we say this. Luke saw it too. And Luke wrote about it to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. The child grew and he waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. The favor of God was upon him. This is the Lord Jesus Christ he's describing. He's taking all of this language from, from Samuel. The grace of God was upon him. And Jesus, he increased. He increased in wisdom and stature. And he increased in favor with God and man. Do you see where Luke has got that? He's got that from Samuel. And so he sees Samuel here as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is. 
bless the Lord what Christ will be. He'll overcome Herod. He'll go down into Egypt into a dark place, but he'll come out again. He'll be protected and preserved there. He'll go into Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth, but the Lord Jesus will. He'll still come good out of Nazareth because he's God's lamb and he'll be hedged and protected. And Samuel is the same, so that he'll become a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And child of God, what I'm saying is, you may have a difficult place to work. You may have difficult situations to live in and to serve God in. We see the state of the land, we're very discouraged, darkness all around us, apostasy everywhere, uncleanness everywhere, immorality that even goes beyond anything that we read this morning. So we're in even darker times. How are we going to be preserved? It's the grace of God preserves us. And it's the prayer preserves us. And it's the light of the tabernacle, the light of the word that preserves us. And the Holy Spirit that preserves us. And the prayers of the saints for one another that we pray that preserves us. The Lord is our keeper, we sang in Psalm 121. It's the Lord who preserves our faith. It's the Lord alone. And so, child of God, the Lord is able to keep you. And look to him to keep you. However dark the days and however dark the times. What does the Lord say? I give on them eternal life. They'll never perish. Nobody will pluck them out of my hand. They'll be preserved and kept. Amy Carmichael, she had many doubts about going out as a missionary. She was very busy even before she did go out as a missionary. She was involved in the Keswick movement. Whenever they had their meetings in Keswick and Glasgow and other places in Great Britain, she was a great organiser about all of that. And while in Glasgow, having doubts about, oh, how am I going to be a missionary? And she was feeling very dead on her own soul at times, and particularly that time in Glasgow. She felt she had no life. She had heard all the sermons uh, during the Keswick Convention, and she hadn't been stirred in her heart, and she didn't feel that she'd even been blessed by the Lord at all. And she was wondering, how am I going to be a missionary? How is the Lord going to keep me? How am I going to be of any use in these dark, dead times? As the convention was coming to an end, the chairman, he got up to give the closing prayer. And as he he gave the closing prayer, he said unto him, that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And you see those words, he's able to keep you. He's able to keep you. That's what's happened, Samuel. And that's what happened, Amy Carmichael. She realized it's a matter of faith. He is able to keep me. And he is. And child of God, he's able to keep you. He will keep you. Even in these dark, dark days. That's the lesson this morning. God is able to keep you. Even the little lamb. Among the wolves. Bless his name. And to him be all glory. Let us pray.